It's like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. It's like I picked the wrong week to quit amphetamines. Wrong week, quit sniffing blue. That we've managed to create all sorts of ways of satisfying these short-term urges without giving us the long-term benefit they were supposed to have. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grime America show. We're going to be talking with Dr. Art Markman, or Art Markman, PhD, or something along those lines, anyway, a little bit later, about breaking habits and smart change and fuck. Anyway. (laughs) But first, as always... Graham, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry, Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? Actually, it doesn't work because you're not angry anymore. <clears throat> was I angry? But like two hours ago, you no, were I wasn't. to be tied. No, I was just frustrated. I wasn't really angry. Maybe I was getting there. You were there. Are we going to keep this intro with your cursing right off the bat? I think so. I can't help it. The thing fell off the wall. Oh, is that <laughs> <laughs> we still can't. We're we still back can't. to this like fifty episodes later, and yeah. we're still trying to hang these foam, these foam sound cushioning yeah. things or whatever on the wall. Sound uh, foam panels that don't seem to stick to anything. I'm gonna just get some big roofing nails. So while we're talking about our stuff here, I want to mention uh, welcome to the Grand America Show and a little bit about our podcast. We uh, we do this little rambling kind of intro before our guest starts usually our guest will start around 25 to 45 or 50 minutes in so if you just want to skip forward to the interview that's totally (laughs) totally fine but really um you know stick around darren and i like to try and um have an open-minded you know, non-judgmental, non-ridicule platform here for, for people. Like, we really started this podcast for the listeners and the guests, I would say. Hey, Darren? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, listeners can share their experiences, their lucid dreaming, their trip reports, like psychedelic experiences, UFO sightings, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we like to be a little bit more interactive than most podcasts. So, instead of going over the news articles and stuff like that, we, we talk about interesting topics kind of amongst ourselves and, yeah, we ramble on for a little List while. submissions. Yeah, a lot and of, I don't always sound like this as long as we're making public service announcements. You have a cold? Still. Hasn't been that long. No, just bad timing. It happened the day before a double interview, so it's going to end up affecting three interviews. Yeah, really? That's a three or four day bout with the cold or yeah. flu or whatever it is, is Lasting. affected three interviews, yeah. which would normally never happen. Yeah. And on the days that it happened, it would have normally affected zero because it started on a Wednesday and it'll probably end tomorrow. Yeah, well, let's hope so, buddy. I also wanted to mention, too, that uh, we love getting feedback. Fucking Ebola. Yeah, no, you don't have Ebola, buddy. Don't worry about it. You're fine. We like hearing from people, too. And uh, if you don't hear back from us, then it's probably just slipped through the cracks and it's lost. We try and get back to everybody. We definitely read all the emails. 
We like your feedback. The best way to get in touch with us is probably Graham at GrahamErica.com, G-R-A-H-A-M. And, uh, you know, also suggest guests that you want us to chat with for sure. Although the guest uh, lineup is pretty big right now and it's a little overwhelming to manage at this point. So we're, yeah, there's a lot going on here in Grand America and it's, uh, it can be challenging. Always a challenge. Yet fun. You can get an email address with a guest. It always helps. That's for sure. Yeah, that's true. And every week we we also have a little okay, segment. Stop back to like it's first show <laughs> of the UFO quote of the week, <laughs> and this one is is a doozy. There are of course many phenomena in this world which are not explained, and it is not. Oh, I just messed it up. See, you put the pressure on me. <laughs> And it is possible to say that the orthodox scientist is the last person to accept that something new or old may exist, which cannot be explained in accordance with his understanding of natural laws. Who's that? That's the Earl Alexander of Tunis, British British Minister of Defense. Uh, I wasn't expecting you to be ready. You didn't look like you were going to be ready. Yeah, I know. I got, I got it ready. That was pretty good, though. Yeah. Thank you, Earl of Alexander. Could have been better. What's the date? Oh, they don't have a date on it. Is there still Earls of things? No, he's just Earl Alexander, not of Alexander. Earl Alexander? Yeah. What's an Earl? He's like a Duke. What's a Duke? Is he's like a like Lord. A... <laughs> Where's that on the chessboard? That's that like not a, a chess piece. No. No. no, no, no. No, he's like a, no, a bishop. Like a... Yeah, maybe like a rook, yeah. Maybe. Oh, I see what you mean. Like the level of chessboard? Yeah. Yeah. Bishop or Rook, probably. Everything's a chessboard. In your head? In your head? You're playing chess all the time? Yeah. So this is an example of our lazy ramblings. And losing. (laughs) So what do you got? Anything new? Yeah, I got got some feedback specifically for you. What's going on over there? Not good. (laughs) No, it's not good. For me? All right. So this one's uh, from Joshua, who you recently rated his synchronicity. Oh, shit. Oh, man. Darren, Darren, Darren. Now I know how UFO witnesses must feel when they're told it was Venus. (laughs) Two main ways I know it wasn't a dream. I was waiting for the plane to take off, and I never sleep at that point. Remember, I'm a chronic worrier, and over half of the plane accidents happened during takeoff slash landing. And my parents were with me as well, and I told them when it happened. Thanks for reading it, though, and talk again soon. And I have uh, to say to I thought, Joshua... Oh, I thought that was going to be the tree guy. No. No. Did I not read he his was, reply? He was pissed, too. <laughs> Did I not read his reply? <laughs> I No, I don't think so. Oh, Yeah. He didn't know the scale was at a seven. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. And then he messaged yeah. the Facebook page. I think he's saying, "Hey, he, on the episode, he's like, hey, is this the episode with the famously low synchronicity scores?'" That's funny. But yeah, I, so. I do have to remember, jo- remind Joshua that that uh, he you did give him a nine though. So I did when I when I, I, I just you still think asterisk yeah. it with yeah. he was sleeping yeah which i'm sticking to my gun well, you know i wasn't there and i have no way of knowing but I'm that's when go i with sleep my gut on this one yeah that's when i sleep on the plate i i on the plate take off take off i just crash take off eh 
<laughs> oh man so i got another one here from matt he says not usually the kind of guy that takes time to write emails like this but it seems like graham is genuinely interested in the feedback and synchro so i figured i'd give it a go quick feedback i'm absolutely guilty of judging your show by the pre-interview rambling i gave it a couple of attempts because it was suggested on itunes based on the other podcasts i listened to aborted both times because i felt my time was wasted finally gave it a solid go and couldn't be more pleased so he definitely thinks we're an acquired taste. Anyways, he says... Uh, Which is why you're talking like it's the first episode. No, I just like to review every that's once in a exactly, while. No, that's exactly why. It's, well, <laughs> yeah, partly the reason, yeah. You've, I did it a little while ago, too, you know, for people that are new. Yeah, it's cute. We have lots of new listeners all the time, Darren, so... <laughs> <laughs> he loves the value for value. He can't stand the ads at the beginning of other podcasts. As Bill Hicks said, you pedal one thing and you're a shill. Nothing you say after that can be fully trusted. And this from a guy who was pretty deliberate with showing a cigarette brand while on stage. But anyway, so uh, this guy's, <laughs> I think this guy likes you, Darren, because he, uh, he reminds, you remind him of his buddy. He played juniors in Sault Ste. Marie and, and Blind River. And uh, one of his buddies oh, from Thessalon, I don't know, do you know Thessalon? I've driven through it. Have you driven through it? <laughs> He's heard a couple of mentions of Northern Ontario, figured he might be from the same area, both both of them have the same eloquent and subtle way of using fuck and both use buddy all the time. I love it. Maybe another red Laker. Yeah. Yeah. Actually your buddies that are from red Lake, I know kind of talk the same. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. So he's got a synchro here. Mostly a weird coincidence. It gives me some mild purpose to email you guys. I have a special place in my heart for this synchro. <laughs> I'm a rambling gram with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. Let's have it. I was working in a vineyard. He says, I work in a vineyard. Was listening to the Matheson episode while spending the day taking out dead plants and planting new ones in their place. <laughs> At the end of the episode, a song came on with the lyrics... And they should plant vineyards and drink the wine of them. Then the mountains shall drop sweet wine and the hills shall melt. I just added that. To the... He chuckled to himself when that came on and thought it might be a good excuse to shoot an email because he was actually working in the vineyard, right, at the time. He gives it a solid 0.5 on the Darren scale. But with a picture, it should bump it up to at least a 1.7. So he says, thanks for reading. Cheers from St. Louis. Now, the weird thing is for me on that is I fucking, it took me forever to pick that out. I was looking all over for it. Those exact lyrics. I emailed you those exact lyrics and said, I want those lyrics in the show. I never, I rarely do that. What? So it, it kind of makes it a sync. It's a one. It, no, it makes it a synchro for me in a no, way because okay, I no, specifically wrote those. Explain e your synchro. What you are the me? words? You want me to? Yeah. I emailed you and said, I want this song in the end of that episode, right? What episode? The episode with David Matheson on the Undying Stars, right? Okay. And, he, oh, and I, you asked for that. What song is it again? Yeah, and Dave Matheson commented on it too because it's actually from a Flash Gordon episode, I think. What song is it? Well, it's that one from The Orb, right? And they should plant vineyards and drink the wine of them. And I will plant them upon, I will plant them upon their land that I have given them, their God. Do you remember? 
That's not. It's kind of, and then and then that triggers him to email us. That's kind of a synchro to me. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't let the scale slide that far. <laughs> There's a curve, but thanks, buddy. It was special to me, anyways. Thanks for the email. Oh yeah, the feedback's great. Fellow hockey he player, knew. he was expecting it. That's true. Yeah, that's good. Come prepared. Oh, I know what I wanted to talk to you about. I went to that uh, festival of health and wellness. Nice. Yeah. Health. Health and what? Festival of health and wellness in Calgary. There. What did you do? I just went around to the booths and stuff. I bought a couple things and. Anything cool? I got my uh, chakra balancing uh, red electronically. Electronically, yeah, that seems fucked. I up. put every finger in this little this little gizmo with a glass plate on it. I guess it measures something and then shows shows you a picture of where I'm your chakras are at. Picture again. Is it white with like a white dome on top and five no, finger? Holes? No, it's just one finger at a time. And then it gives you a, a picture, a layout of your chakras and where they're at. So they're all like in line, except. For my throat was a little off and my sacral chakra was a little off, to, but they were all pretty good, very relaxed. And then, so I was like, "So what is this guy trying to sell me?" Right? There was a book there on belief and stuff like that, like the you know the power of belief. But he said he's going to send me an email of this chakra printer, and I still have yet to get it. <laughs> so, so digital chakra reader. Maybe eventually it'll be get just like the diabetes ones you stick in your leg and it tells you or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Where you're where you, you where need to work. Mean, you need to mean. work on your truth or you need to work on your 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 base. So I, I bumped into this meditation group there. Um this group. is interesting. Well, yeah, they do free meditation in the city every week. And I asked him so he, he we were talking about meditation all that and um I guess it's in how should I say the 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 person who developed this meditation, Sahaya, it's called or Sahaja Yoga, is what it's called, and this this lady named Sri Mataji Nirmala Devi came up with this meditation uh, technique, and they they teach it all over the world. I think for free, like there's an online class and all this. And I asked them, I'm like, can I? donate something to your cause or whatever. He's like, no, no, no. Why donate? It's all free. Like basically they learn this meditation technique and they want to share it with the world. And it's about opening up and, and finding your true self and all. Do you want me to read a little description to you since, you know, we've been talking about meditation lately. Sure. I told him we talk about it on our podcast. I'm going to send him a link to you. So, okay. It was very peaceful. I did it with him, put a hand on my heart and another one open on my lap. And it was very, very calming and peaceful. I bet. It says, <laughs> Sahaja Yoga meditation is meant for everyone who desires to find his or her true self, which is full of peace, joy of life and love for others. It is not just a book of set exercises, but a living science that will open you up gradually as your meditations become deeper and your experience stronger and more fulfilling. Sahaja Yoga meditation was developed by Sri Mataja Nirmala Devi, and it involves awakening a subtle spiritual energy known as the Kundalini, which lies dormant at the sacral bone of the base of the spine in three and a half coils. The gentle awakening of this Kundalini energy in the inner journey of self-discovery is known as enlightenment. Sahaja means spontaneous or born with you, and yoga translates as union with the divine or all-pervading power. 
Sahaja Yoga meditation then translate as the method of divine union through yoga, which everyone is born with. And they do this uh, free in community, public, business sectors, available without a cost to the general public, universities, hospitals, all over the place. Very cool, eh? Nice. I like it. I'm going to link to that in the show notes. Please do. Yeah, I think there's a free music 24-7 for that, uh, for meditation too. A stream? I think so, yeah. A live meditating music stream? Yeah, pretty cool idea. Fuck yeah. Is it available on demand? I don't know, probably. Even better. Even better. So do you have any real synchros? Oh my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll take that as a no. <laughs> What do you want to get into next? Support? Yeah. yeah. Support the show, ad-free, sponsor-free, everything free. No. Uh, well, maybe we should talk about the website first. Sure. That's launching. By the next backstage, the new website will be out. So Tuesday. This will come out on a Saturday. So maybe even before you listen to the show, but Tuesday night, the big day, Wayne Darnell been hard at work for fucking... A long time, put in a lot of hours. We uh, we can't thank him enough. But uh, the big day has come. We're looking forward to it, and that should be live uh, by Tuesday. Yeah, and <laughs> and we want to thank Wayne a lot for that. And yeah. are you still giving away emails for uh, subscriptions? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a, we but have you have to ask for it. Yeah, you have to ask for the email. But if you subscribe monthly, uh, Darren will give you an email address. And really, we just want to cover the cost in our uh, in our production here. It does cost a little bit. Expenses it seems like we're be. always buying cords. Cords, yeah. We need, we basically need an unlimited cord budget. <laughs> if anyone out there's in the cord business, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and expenses have actually been looking up, looking up lately because we just fucking. Ordered a new mixer so we can do a couple of things to help improve some audio, give us some control over the guest. So that should, I'm actually looking forward to that new little toy. Yeah, that'll be fun. Should make the audio better. Yeah, we want to thank everybody that, that has subscribed already. I want to give a shout out to Reflective Air Podcast, too. I've been listening to those guys that kind of have the same, similar type podcast to No Agenda, kind of like between us and No Agenda, but they have a lot of the same interests as us. It's a, it's a long show, but uh, I'll link to that in the show notes, too. Got, I want to say hi to the guys at Reflective Air. Uh, they're, they're supporting the value for value, too, and they've, they've donated to this show before, and you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll shoot it back their way eventually. I'm going to support this value for value model. Yeah, yeah, so support the show when you can, if you can, of course. Um, you can always support the show at grimerica.ca slash support. Um, yeah, we'll just keep coming, pumping them out for free and support us when you can. Uh, you can always help us out by just telling your friends. March is Tell a Friend About the Show Month. Well, really, every month is Tell a Friend About the Show Month, but in March we're talking about it. Yeah, it's kind of the only way we really grow right now, isn't it? I mean, we don't have any marketing plan or any strategic thing like that. I mean, we just try to connect with other, other podcasters and our listeners and rely on them to spread the word, really. Grow the hegemony. 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 Hegemonous. Do you want me to read that email about that uh, feedback from the Thomas Fusco? Uh, 
Costco? Email? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to thank David H. for sending us this email. He says, you guys could be the next Coast to Coast if it was PG rated. I'm on episode August 22nd, 2013. That must must have been before we actually numbered the episode, eh? <laughs> That's like right at the beginning. Yeah, it's pretty close. June. May, June, July, August. So he's... June, July, August. Yeah, we had Fusco on in the beginning. Eh? So, so he's only on like episode 15 or something. Yeah. So I wonder if he's doing them in order. Probably. That takes a long time. He's got another fucking hundred to go. He says, uh, I never get how people the fuck that's a lot of us. I yeah, couldn't handle it. I know. That's pretty, I'd end up killing you. It's pretty humbling, uh, and crazy to think that that's actually happening. So he says, uh, you guys have been hitting home runs with your fantastic guests since I started listening on Thomas P. Fusco's discussion of gravity. If mass causes that gravity by bending space, I've read it's like a marble on a sheet, but what generates the marble? If I think of the marble as like a distortion that is created from a twist in the underside of the sheet, which is matter, that rolls around like a vortex in a pool created by an asymmetric imbalance in the medium and draws the other marbles, vortexes, to it. And the twist in the underside of the sheet, antimatter, that repels other twists... It's a little easier for me to visualize how the marble is created and behaves, though I can't imagine how the vortices are created unless our universe lies in a greater medium that is moving like a river or bending or being manipulated by a mine. Huh. Did you read that? No. <laughs> I thought you'd read it. I thought you'd read it. That's your approval for me to read it on the on the show, but... So if people want to hear that kind of shit, go back to Thomas Fusco's episode because <laughs> it's pretty mind-blowing. He spent decades researching his theory of everything, and it's, it's pretty crazy. The super geometry. Behind the Cosmic Veil. Yeah. With Thomas P. Fusco. I think he listens. Hi, Thomas. Hey, Tom. Anything else? That's it, buddy. Short and sweet. I'm not feeling 100% this week. I'm okay with that. All right. Was there something else we were supposed to talk about, though? I feel like we're forgetting something. Yeah, we always forget a little something. Yeah, so enjoy the chat coming up with Art Markman. Gives us some tools to create uh, new and sustainable habits in ourselves and others. And you know, he goes into why our brain is a habit-making machine. And it's pretty cool. Art's kind of dissect the science behind this, our behavior and the psychology into it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, how to break habits, how to form habits. Yeah. How to manipulate. I think that's a part of psyche. Everybody, everybody's got to deal with habits, right? Everyone's got their things, yeah. Yeah. Their little vices. Good, bad, or indifferent. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun one. Enjoy the chat with Art, and uh, we'll see you in the outro.
Okay, guys, in Grimerica tonight, we're chatting with a doctor, doctor, I believe, Art Markman. PhD, yeah. Um, about uh, habit, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this because I haven't heard much about it. Um, this is A lot of this is going to be brand new to me, and that's, uh, that's kind of the way I like it. <laughs> Graham, you, you got the book, so uh, you're, you're going to be the expert on this one. I mean, obviously, Art's got your beat, but. <laughs> yeah, I got the book here. In front of me, I read most of it. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, as, as usual, it's, uh, I'm always, I feel like I'm always trying to break habits. So I'm looking forward to talking to Art about this. His latest book is Smart Change, and it's five tools to create new and sustainable habits in yourself and others. Now I could, Mark's got, Art's got quite the bio here. Um, it could take me like a whole hour just reading that. So I'm going to try and summarize a little bit. But he's, uh, he's the founding director of the program in, in Human Dimensions of Organizations. Now, that's pretty interesting on its own. We'll get into that maybe. He's got a PhD from the University of Illinois, and his research explores thinking. And that's one of the fascinating things about this is it's kind of, it's like cognitive science. And uh, speaking of that, he's the executive director or executive editor of the journal Cognitive Science. Uh, he's blogged for like Fast Company and Psychology Today. I think he's done some like corporate consulting on this stuff. He's also got a radio show called Two Guys on Your Head. And that's, uh, that's out of Austin. So there's a ton of stuff to talk about here. And uh, we're looking forward to learning a little bit more about the science of, of behavior change, I like to call it. so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because I'm about five and a half weeks into quitting smoking. So. Nice. Well, yeah. you, <laughs> Art can probably explain how you've actually accomplished that. Well, I've accomplished most of it with this electronic cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> So welcome, welcome to the Grimerica Show, Art. Thanks for staying up late for us tonight. Oh, no problem. It's great to be here tonight. Thanks so much. Yeah, I, I found that I found your book fascinating right from the start because you talk about uh, kind of like the science behind. Um, maybe we could get into that a little bit about what you found through your research about our brain. Like our brain's basically like a habit making machine, and how it's yeah. basically through efficiency, I guess yeah. you could say, creating habits for us, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the thing about changing habits, we've all struggled with it. And the question is why? And the big issue is that we're fighting against our brain most of the time because most of us live in blissful ignorance of, of how the, the brain works. And and that's not really our fault in general. It's actually the education system because the, the modern science curriculum got laid down beginning of the 20th century around 1905 or so. And at that point, biology, chemistry, and physics made the cut. So that's what you study in school. Oh. And psychology, which had just barely wrested itself free of philosophy, didn't make it because in 1905, we probably could have taught you everything that the science of psychology knew in about 25 minutes. Uh, so what happened was the intervening 110 years, we learned a lot. And, and so now uh, nobody's learning anything about the way the mind works. And yet the science of the field knows a lot about it. And when it comes to behavior, there's the way the brain is set up is if you were to take a brain, I don't know if you've ever seen a brain before, a human brain, but, uh, yeah. but it kind of looks like two boxing gloves set the wrong way around with the thumbs on the outside, uh, but it's bumpier than a typical boxing glove. And it's, uh, it's gray in color, which, you know, neuroscientists being the creative folks they are, they call that gray matter. Um, and and you, if you were to cut into that brain a little bit, uh, about a couple of millimeters down, the brain turns from gray to white. And so cleverly, they call that white matter. Um, <laughs> and, and that white matter is actually the insulated neurons that carry 
information from one area of the outer part, the cortex, to, to another, kind of like the wiring harnesses if you open up an old stereo. And, and if you were to continue cutting into the brain, at some point you find more gray matter really deep inside the brain. Uh, it's a bunch of structures that are called the basal ganglia, but I promise that's not on the exam. <laughs> and, um, and, and so the, those brain structures deep in there are really crucial for engaging the goals that you have and for driving your behavior and for creating habits. So I, because that, that set of brain mechanisms pushes you to act, I call that the go system. And then when, when the, the go system engages a goal, a, a lot of what it does is, is it really clears the decks for, for actions. It, 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 it uh, focuses you on information that might be related to uh, achieving that goal. It makes you want to achieve that goal. And every once in a while, like, for example, if you were a smoker, um, the, that goal would kick in to, to have a cigarette, but you wouldn't want to do it because you're trying to quit. So, mm -hmm. so now what happens is um, you've got this goal, you really want to smoke, and there's just a couple of ounces of brain material right above your eyes in the, in the cortex that, uh, that I call the stop system. And though that, that system tries to stop a behavior that your go system has engaged. And so when you're trying to change your behavior, you're, you're involved in this battle where the go system is saying, come on, do it. And the stop system is saying, no, don't do it. The problem is the go system is really, really efficient. And so it works really well. And the stop system, partly because it's a, a evolutionarily a newer system, doesn't work nearly as well. And so what happens is the, the stop system more often than not loses the battle. Um, it's affected by stress. It's affected by drugs and alcohol. It's affected by overuse. If you ever saw the movie Airplane, uh, Lloyd, <laughs> yeah. you know, Lloyd Bridges plays that character where he's trying to, he's an old pilot trying to talk a guy down. And throughout the movie, he's, he's suffering from stress. He goes back to all his bad habits, right? First, it's I picked the wrong week to stop smoking. And, you know, then it's I picked the wrong week to stop drinking. And I think by the end, it's I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, that's the impact of, of stress on that system. And so a big part of the problem with trying to change behavior is that we try to tell ourselves to stop doing things. And so what happens is we don't really reprogram that go system. Instead, we just try to rely on the stop system to stop us from doing what we don't want to do. And and it, it eventually you lose the battle on that. And then you just give up. Hmm. So can you get into a little bit about how you measured some of that stuff, like a little bit of detail on uh, how you came about that? Yeah. So, um, you know, there's all kinds of studies and some of them are, are my kind, some of them are my studies. Some of them are studies that came out of other labs. Um, but there's, there's all kinds of different things that people have done. So for example, one of the things that we've done is to look at the influence of the go system on the way that it clears the deck for action. So. One, and actually, one of the things we did was to study cigarette smokers. So we were really popular uh, on campus for a while because we were giving out coffee and cigarettes uh, as part of our study. Um, so what we would do is we would take um, smokers who were smoking at least 15 cigarettes a day, tell them not to have a cigarette for at least 30 minutes before coming to the lab. And then we would manipulate how much they needed to smoke. So one group, we would just send outside with a cigarette and a cup of coffee. 
And so they'd smoke their cigarette, drink the coffee, which give, would give the time for the nicotine to diffuse through the system. And then they'd come back up to the lab. The, the other group, uh, we would sit them down in the lab and we'd give them a cup of coffee, which is really associated with smoking. So it would actually drive up their need to smoke. And then we'd tell them stories about how nice it would be to have a cigarette right about now. So, so that group was really pretty, uh, you know, pretty in need of a cigarette at that moment. And, and then we did a bunch of different tests on them, including things like having them tell us how much they, they like um, a variety of products, including brands of cigarettes, products that had cigarette brands on them, as well as things that were completely unrelated to smoking. And what you find is that the more you need to smoke, the more you like cigarettes, the more you like things that are branded with cigarette brands, and the less you care about anything that has nothing to do with smoking. And the most dangerous piece of this is you actually care less about smoking-related illnesses like lung cancer if you really need a cigarette than if you don't. Wow. So your, your motivational system is really... Uh, working hard to keep you doing the things that you've always done. And so the GO system is incredibly efficient. And, and anyone who's ever been a smoker knows that, right? That, that you just get totally focused on, uh, on having that next cigarette and nothing else seems to matter for that period of time. And if you haven't been a smoker, there's probably some other goal that you've had that's been so important to you that that's the only thing that you notice. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those people that you, that went outside and had the smoke, yeah. they, they had less of an inclination for, for liking, uh, anything related to smoking. Like that yeah. was already kind of out of their system. Yeah. Yeah. So those people, even though basically 10 minutes earlier, if we'd caught them before they'd had their cigarette. They would have thought cigarettes were incredibly attractive, that, that lung cancer wasn't that important. Uh, after they had their cigarette there, their, uh, they're they're less interested in brands of cigarettes, less interested in products with cigarette brands on it, less interested in things like lighters and ashtrays that they'd need uh, to smoke with, um, and more interested in things unrelated to smoking, like you know DVD players or television sets. Um, and and they're more concerned about lung cancer right after they've had a cigarette than right before. Wow. Huh. Yeah. So Darren, does that resonate with you at all? Since you're just quitting, like Darren, what are you five weeks in now? Yeah. And you're still you're still getting nicotine out of your electric electronic cigarette, yeah. Your uh, yeah, and it 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 works pretty good. I don't know, like and this thing, I kind of no, I kind of like the battery died today, and I was kind of stressed out about it. <laughs> so I was like intermittently charging it and smoking it, but like I uh, for an stop actual goal, cigarette, I haven't <laughs> haven't yeah. really had a too much of a craving a couple right. times in the morning when like the sun's shining through the windshield and I got a fresh coffee yeah. I'll like look to the look to the dash for my cigarettes but they're not there so yeah. Yeah. I, I finally threw out my ashtray the other day yesterday <laughs> that's good there you go so, so there's a kind of new kind of range anxiety you know they talk about range anxiety with those those electric cars you know so now the range anxiety is is the level of the battery on your e-cigarette Oh, uh, yeah, I would say so. I guess you could get a couple of them. It lasts about twelve hours, I think. Uh, so that happens with people addicted to their but cell I think phones. I'd, I guess I too. think I'd yeah. be less stressed out if uh-huh. this thing quit on me. Then, then if you ran out of cigarettes? then if I ran out of cigarettes, yeah. like I think it's helped in that capacity. But I, it's too too soon to say, I guess, because I haven't really started to wean off of this thing, and I don't really have any plan to even yet. So. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, so maybe are, I'm cheating. Well, I don't, know. I don't you know, know. Cigarettes are a terrible delivery mechanism for nicotine. There's yeah. so much other stuff in them that, that, you know, getting something that's a little pure has got to be better for you. So what about like keeping that in mind, nicotine? Like, so is that like a truce then between, would that be a truce between my go and my stop? Well, you're, you're still satisfying the go system, right? You know, so because the go system is really craving the nicotine. So it's and, a go and, slower. And also the action, right? So, right. so the e-cigarette is just a, it's, it's a, it's a somewhat healthier option, right? At some point, if you want to wean yourself off the nicotine, you're going to end up with another battle between the go system and the stop system where the go system is going to start really whining. So maybe I'm making it worse. I'm just making it like three little battles instead of just one big boat. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, at least, at least now you'll be battling from a slightly healthier place. What about addiction and like speaking of nicotine? I mean, really what I think uh, cigarette smoking boils down to is a nicotine addiction too. I mean, how about that uh, versus habits? Like yeah. when, do, when does does a habit just, be, when it gets really bad, become an addiction or is addiction more about a definition of how a habit affects your life so negatively? Well, you know, I think that that uh, there's a strong habit component to addiction. There's no question about it. So, you know, an awful lot of the mechanism that's driving, you know, uh, the the cigarette, uh, the the use of cigarettes is the habit that's associated with it. Now, there's a couple of other things that are going on. There is a physiological addiction where where your body's going to crave nicotine. That actually washes out pretty quickly overall. So, you know, unlike heroin. Not that I've done heroin, but you know you, the way you watch it on the on on, on TV and the yeah. movies, right? Yeah. That's a that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty grim thing to quit. Um, nicotine is actually the the physiological addiction to nicotine is actually over pretty quickly. Um, the the big thing with nicotine is that one of the reasons it's such a powerful agent in the brain is that it binds to particular uh, receptors, particular areas of these neurons in your brain, particularly in areas that control attention. And so that there are two things that happen. The first is by using cigarettes, you're actually really learning a lot about the situation in which you normally use them because your attentional mechanisms are on high alert because of the nicotine. And, uh, and then the you know the 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 other thing that that happens uh, with with cigarettes is that when you wean yourself off of cigarettes for a while you feel really stupid because you can't pay attention anymore to anything and that's that's real because your brain was supplementing the normal chemical it uses which is a chemical called dopamine um, it's supplementing that with nicotine and uh, and when you stop using the nicotine there isn't enough dopamine to take over. And so for a while, you actually have trouble paying attention. Wow. And you're kind of grouchy and stuff like that. So nicotine. Oh, I have enough trouble paying attention. <laughs> uh, so, so are we going to say nicotine? So nicotine is, that's one of the reasons why it's really hard. Yeah, it's one of the reasons it makes it so hard to quit smoking. And I, I think it was, you know, that they credited to Mark Twain that he said that quitting smoking was one of the easiest things in the world to do that he himself had done it hundreds of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we, we get too farther into it, like what would be some advice then for me to like, or for someone in my situation to start breaking that habit for? Yeah. Cause so, I mean, I guess my habit is the habit of putting something in my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a, there's a few things to do. The first is, you know, there, there's a real problem 
with starting the process by saying, I'm going to quit smoking. Because when you say it, when you focus on, I'm going to quit smoking, what you're really doing is, is putting a huge burden on the stop system. Because what you're really saying is whenever I was in a situation where I used to smoke, you know, say sitting in the car with a cup of coffee and the, and the sun shining in, uh, now you're hoping that your stop system tells you, you know, <sighs> don't pull over and buy a, a pack of cigarettes. Don't, don't smoke. Um, so one of the things you want to do is to, is to really pay attention to all those kinds of situations that were really frequently associated with smoking, things like sitting in the car or, you know, going out to hear a band or whatever it was and find and figure out what are you going to do instead in those situations? Cause you're, you're going to try to reprogram that go system with a new set of habits. So right now you're replacing the, the, the cigarette habit with an e-cigarette habit. And at some point, if you want to wean yourself off of that, you're going to actually try to uh, create some other habit, which could involve putting something in your mouth, you know, a stick of gum or, or something. But it might just be another behavior that when you when you used to smoke a cigarette, now you're going to do this other I'm thing. Twitch. Yeah, you know, that. I mean, you know, you'd have to clear that with all your friends first. Uh, but, but that could work. I mean, I, you know, one of the things I had years ago, I used to... Um, uh, I used to bite my nails when I was a kid and up through graduate school, um, not quite as unhealthy, maybe as cigarette smoking, but, but probably got in the way of more dates. And, um, and, and I, uh, I actually, um, uh, in order to help myself, uh, stop biting my nails, I actually started playing with desk toys at work because that just totally got in the way of, of, uh, biting my nails. Cause it's very hard to bite your nails when you're playing with a slinky. Was that conscious then? Um, it, I consciously decided to switch the behaviors. I mean, I had to, I actually had to spend about two weeks paying attention to when I was biting my nails because I never knew when I was doing it. I realized I would sit at my desk as a grad student reading articles and biting my nails, which was highly unattractive to all my office mates, apparently. Um, so, so then I made the conscious decision to go out and buy some desk toys. And every time I was tempted to bite my nails, I would just play with the slinky. And now, you know, my students, my, my students, when they come to, to meet with me, they know the meeting hasn't really started till I pick up a desk toy and start playing with it. <laughs> That's a really bad habit of mine. I, I just stopped again. Like I've been on and off biting my nails for years, but I really, in the last few months I've actually got, I've gone to get like manicures and everything. I won't even touch go. them now. I'm like, I'm going to let these grow and let somebody else take care of my hands. Cool. If I start picking at them, that, yep. it's just, it's, it's been a habit for decades. So yeah. I, I totally... I totally cool. get that one. Yeah, yeah, but the slinky works wonders. I'm a doodler. Maybe yeah. I could replace it with doodling. Yeah. But it's hard to doodle and drive. Well, you can. Uh, it is. Yeah, I don't recommend it. Well, so you text I'm... and drive pretty good, so you can probably <laughs> doodle. Allegedly. <laughs> I've been experimenting with uh, voice, recognition. voice recognition, but it just makes a mess of everything. Yeah. I send it anyway, and hopefully people can decipher it. Yeah. Well, you weren't spelling very well before anyway, so. So I wonder <laughs> if I could even, could it, maybe I'll just start, like, doing little tapping with my fingers or something when I, like, start trying to get off this thing. I wonder if yeah. I could just, you know, because something, I, it's got to be something I can do kind of all the time at a moment's notice. Yeah. Buy a set of drumsticks. Start start beating out rhythms on the on the dashboard. Perfect. So what else helps art? Like what, what else helps to, to put your brain in the, uh, in the mode for, yeah. for catching the stuff like, or, yeah. or, or, you know, cause it's so, 
Right. Go so ahead. we got we to the, get the goal right, right? We're going to be focused on positive goals. Another thing that's really important to do is to plan for all the things that are going to go wrong. So, so really think about all the situations where you used to smoke. So, for example, one of the, one of the big ones for smokers is, is social situations where you're hanging out with your other smoker friends. Um, and, uh, you know, if they're, if they're going to, you know, light a cigarette sitting, in, sitting, or, sitting at home, what are you going to do? And you have to plan for that in advance because it's dealing with temptations is a little bit like uh, going to a party and, you know, you go to a party and, and somebody, somebody makes a wisecrack at your expense. And, and so, you know, now everybody's laughing at you. And that's the moment where you really want to have the great comeback and it just doesn't come to you. And, and so now what do you do? Um, and what happens is you leave the party and as you're walking out the door, you think of the thing you should have said. And it's too late. Right. And, yeah, yeah. and well, dealing with temptation is the, exactly the same thing. The temptation is sort of like the guy who makes the wisecrack. So it, it pops out. And if you're not ready in advance, then you just, you end up just giving in. So instead, what you want to do is to imagine that you knew what the, what the, the nasty remark somebody else was going to make beforehand and then plan for it. So you've got that zinger ready when it happens. So Think about, well, here's the situation where, you know, all my friends are going to be standing around smoking. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, I'm going to excuse myself and take a step out to the side or I'm going to put in a stick of gum or, you know, whatever it is you're going to do in order to avoid smoking in that situation. So you got to be prepared for those kinds of temptations. I guess drinking's and, a big one for people. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, has its own potential problems because if I you... It, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna add an extra drink an hour to what you were drinking already, that could be a problem. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Um, another big thing you got to do is is to manage your environment. So a lot of our behavior is driven by by what's easy to do in the moment. Um, you know, the brain is is um, it's a it's 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 a light organ. It's about three pounds. Uh, so it's about three percent, well, three to six pounds. It's about it's about three percent of your body weight. It's it uses twenty to twenty five percent of your daily energy supply, and so the brain wants to do everything it does as quickly as possible so that it minimizes the amount of energy it spends on anything, and and what that means is that it's going to seek out whatever's easiest to do in an environment and do that. Hmm. So part of what that means is you want to make it as hard as possible to smoke. Which, which means, for example, don't buy cigarettes. Yeah. You know, and it seems silly, but, you know, I mean, I know people who've tried to quit smoking and yet they've kept a pack of cigarettes hidden somewhere in the house as if the rest of their brain doesn't know that there's <laughs> uh, a pack of cigarettes hidden somewhere in the house. <laughs> so I actually, when I first quit, I had an emergency pack in my center <laughs> console and I ended up smoking it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, even, even at some point, it was a non-emergency uh, uh, pack, you know. And and so, yeah, so you have to actually make it really hard to do, so that it gives you plenty of time to talk yourself down from the thing you don't want to do. And then the last big thing you need to do is to have some friends around to help. So you know, have have a set of buddies that you know when you really want to have a cigarette. You know, it, it, worst case scenario, you can call a friend who will tell you, you know, the five reasons that you shouldn't have that cigarette today. So it's good to tell your community that you're in sort of that you're, yeah. 
of, that you're planning to do this. So you kind of, you're a little bit more accountable to people as well, not yeah. just yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Because let's face it, right? The worst things we do in life, we tend to do when we're alone. You know, most people don't do really nasty things in a group. I mean, unless it's like a really big, bad group. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there are, if you're in a gang, you might, you might do some big, bad things as a group. But most of the stuff that we do that's really nasty, we do alone. You know, I mean, internet trolls are, they're sitting alone. If they, if they had people looking over their shoulder while they were making comments, they wouldn't be good. They, you know, people would be going, don't, don't write that, dude. You know, so, um, so if it's good to, to bring those things that you want to stop doing out into the light of day so that you're, 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 you're holding yourself accountable, not just to yourself, but to all your friends. So I, I want to get a, a bit more into uh, the goal part of it too, right? Cause it, it yeah. really, it really made me think about uh, that somehow when you set a goal for yourself, whether that's in on paper or in your thinking process or uh, speaking it out loud or whatever, that your brain actually starts wiring uh, to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing you want to do is, is to, is to figure out what the goal is that you really want to commit to. And, you know, that sometimes it's easy, right? At some point you wake up, you think, okay, I'm going to quit smoking. It's fairly straightforward to say, yeah, that seems like a good idea. But, but there's lots of different things we may want to decide to do. You know, somebody might say, you know what, I'm checking my email too often. I, I really need to stop doing that. You know, you have to ask yourself, is this something I really want to commit energy to, to, to changing? Because it, it takes some effort to change behavior. And then this, the next thing you want to do is, is really to, to turn the goal that, you're, uh, that you want to achieve into a process rather than just stating an outcome. All right. So, you know, part of the problem with, with uh, you know, email, for example, is, you know, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, I check my email way too often. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, I, I can get to the end of the day and think, what'd you do today? Well, you know, I checked 100, I, I answered about 150 emails, you know, and I just, I just, I can't imagine it, you know, like sitting in a retirement home someday going, yeah, crowning achievement was, was when I, you know, cracked 150,000 emails in a month. You know, that's just, it's not going to be, it's not going to be one of the things I'm going to be bragging about. So, you know, I, I, but in order to change that, you have to think about, well, what's really the process for living your life, you know, rather than focusing all the time on email. And so, you know, doing things like set a timer when you get up, when you get to your get, get to your work at the, at the, in the morning, set a timer for 10 minutes and just triage your email. Find the three most important ones, answer those, put everything else aside. When that timer hits 10 minutes, shut your email program off and then do something productive for an hour. You know, and just get get the heck away from it. Put your, you know, shut your cell phone off so that you're not tempted to check that all the time and really focus on on doing something bigger. You know, whatever it is, whether it's whether it's reading something or writing something or playing a musical instrument, you know, because um, because otherwise a lot of these these other temptations like, you know, checking your messages on your phone can can begin to eat up at at the really big things that you'd like to accomplish. So, so when you, when you focus on a process orientated goal, um, that, that actually does change the, I'm trying to get to how that, 
like you had some examples in your book and it, and, and it was, it was fascinating to me that, that it actually starts like it clears the path. Like you said earlier, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, so, so there's two, there's a couple of things that happen, right? First of all, when you set this new goal now, uh, all of that stuff that happens with, with your old goals starts to happen with the new one. I mean, it takes a little bit of time. It's not from the moment you say, I want to do this. You have to actually try the new behavior a few times. But for example, you know, I, I started learning to play the saxophone about 13 years ago. And, uh, and so I went out of my way to try to play in the evening after dinner mm-hmm. and, and to do it consistently. Cause the thing about habits is habits, love consistency. Habits really want to habits work best when you do the same thing repeatedly in a particular situation. And so for me, it was, if I was at home and it was after dinner, it was time to play the saxophone. And, you know, I had to tell myself to do it for the first week or two, but after a couple of weeks, dinner time would come. And after dinner time, my body was just telling me, you know, come on, it's time to play. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so very quickly I had rewired my brain so that the after dinner period was now incredibly strongly uh, associated with, with playing the sax. Hmm. You know, and, and that happens, it happens quickly. You know, that's, that's the thing. Your brain is constantly growing new connections. You know, it's not a static thing. It's, it, it, it's constantly changing. And so, you know, behavior change is possible for anyone in large part, because as soon as you set a goal and start, you know, create a plan, which is important, you know, you want to have a specific plan for when you're going to do something. And after you do it, even a few times, your brain starts to learn that this is something you do. And, 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 and before too long, you know, your brain is actually suggesting to you, Hey, you know, uh, let's, let's get back to the, to to the thing you're supposed to be doing now. Can that be influenced by people Uh, other than yourself? Oh, absolutely. You know, in fact, um, you know, one of the things I do in the book is, is I, I try to point out that, you know, a lot of us are not only trying to affect our own behavior, but we're actually trying to influence other people's behavior as well. And it, it turns out that the principle for influencing other people's behavior isn't, you know, a lot of times we treat that principle as if what we're trying to do is just find the right message. You know, if I could only tell you the right thing, you would change your behavior. But in fact, uh, changing somebody else's behavior is just as difficult as, as changing your own behavior. And you have to do all the same things. So you have to, if you're trying to help somebody else to change behavior, you have to help them to set a new goal and help them to create a plan for when they're going to do stuff and help them to deal with the temptations and help them to, 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 to manage that environment and try to influence their environment as well. And, and then be a person that they can rely on uh, for, for help and support as they're trying to change. What about in a more malevolent, <laughs> malevolent sense? Uh, yeah, well, unfortunately that'll work too, right? I mean, uh, you know, if, if, if you, if, if you, uh, have, uh, ill intent in mind, you know, you, you can try to help people to I mean, think about, you know, think about the classic, uh, you know, heroin dealer, right. You know, the whole first one's free, Yeah. you know, they're, 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 uh, they're trying to, trying to help you create a habit that'll be hard to break. So, you know, unfortunately though, this, you know, influence is a, is a neutral term, you know, we can influence you for good or for ill, but, uh, but certainly there are, there, there are people out there who, who don't necessarily have your best interests in mind. 
can that be done, like, say, on a more mass scale? Like, uh, why people keep, you know, insistently eating at places like that they know aren't good for them? And so you're talking about like media brainwashing and stuff like that? Yeah, I, I don't like to say brainwashing. Well, but it's you know the thing is it's not just I mean media is a Habit piece forming, of it, yeah. but it's but but yeah you know if, I mean so think about you know about some of the fast food chains for example that are everywhere. Well, what have they done? Right? They've 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 influenced the environment because they've made it incredibly easy to to engage the product, you know, and it's 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 available and it's easy to do. Um, you know, the the commercials involve lots of people performing the action, which increases the strength of that goal in you. Because when you see somebody else doing something, it makes you more more likely to want to do it. A lot of those restaurants have big glass windows on them. So when you walk by them, you see all the people in there eating, which makes you more interested in going in and doing it. Um, you know, the, the, they're, they're trying to influence what the environment smells like so that the environment is associated with the action. Right. It's like it's like walking by the popcorn counter at the movie theater. Yeah. You know, except the popcorn is that food that smells way better than it tastes. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, you know, those advertisers, they are, you know, doing a lot to try to create goals and maintain those goals. You know, even though people will say, yeah, I know I probably shouldn't be eating some of that fast food. It's not good for me. You know, again, we are wired to do the thing that feels right in the short term. And, yeah. and, you know, and, and for most animals, they can just live their life doing the thing that feels right in the short term because, because that that's set up to allow them to, to do the things they need to do to survive. It's only because as humans, we're so good at manipulating the environment that we've managed to create all sorts of ways of satisfying these short term urges without giving us the long-term benefit they were supposed to have, right? I mean, you know, if you were a hunter-gatherer 150,000 years ago, if you came across something that was high fat and high calorie, you should eat it because who knows the next time you're going to come across something like that. Yeah, I was was thinking of that with with the the food thing and the diet thing because – I, that's one of the things for me, like trying to cut back on sugar and stuff like that. I have a bit of a sweet tooth and you Mm -hmm. talked about the, like, this is the immediate gratification thing, right? You talked about the, what the heck muscle. And I call it my, my off fuck it muscle. So (laughs) if I, if I have a donut or a piece of chocolate, like I literally just go, I just go fuck it. And I just have another one and another one until, until I've like satisfied some sort of sugar craving. And I don't like it's so yeah. weird, but I mean, I'm like that like with I, sour soothers. I can't bad. think of like like the immediate repercussion. Like I can't uh, what correlate the calorie intake then to yeah. like to me trying to like shed a few pounds in the oh, long yeah. run. Yeah, the the only thing, the only way to make it work is every time you take a bite of a donut, you think about how many how many steps you have to walk to to work that bite off, right, yeah. and turn it into effort, but. But yeah, you know, and this and this and this idea of, of of the what the hell effect, right? Is is you know basically a lot of times when we're doing something like dieting, we draw a line in the sand and we say, you know what, you know, I'm just I'm just not going to eat any sweets at all, you know, and and it becomes what's called a protected value, you know, I'm just I'm not I'm just this is something I'm just not going to do, and what that does is it makes the whole world black and white, you know, because either you're you're 
doing the right thing or you're doing the wrong thing. And, and there's no kind of gray area. Right. And the problem with not having a gray area is, well, you know, chances are like one donut is, is probably better for your diet than 30. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but if, if the world is black and white, then as soon as you cross the line and have one donut, that's just as bad as having 30. So what the hell I may as well have 30. Right. You know, and that's, and I say in the book, right, that's a staple of the romantic comedy, right? There's always some character, you know, who's, who's like on a diet and really moralistic about it to everybody else and chastising everybody else for, for, for the food that they eat. And then, and then, you know, like, you know, it's usually a she, right? So she has like one, you know, one donut. The next thing you know, she's covered in chocolate with fast food and, and Chinese wrappers all over, you know, containers all over the couch, you know, wearing sweatpants. Um, and you know, that's, that's like the classic version of it, but, but I think we've all experienced that. And I think the, you know, the antidote to that is in part, in part to realize the world isn't black and white and that, you know, it's, it's, you're not going to be perfect all the time, but crossing the line and doing the wrong thing doesn't mean that you should just give up altogether. Yeah. It's more like a wave, ride the wave, try to keep it above the horizon. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. Hmm. Lose the battle, but don't lose the war. Yeah. I kind of, I go back and forth with eating less meat myself too. And that's another thing I, I, I kind of thought, well, I heard somebody talking about being like a weekend, uh, vegetarian or something where they like, they, so they, instead of eating meat like seven days a week, at least they cut it back to like, you know, two days a week or on the weekends only or something like that. At least what's wrong with eating meat? Oh, well, some people don't like it. I don't like, I don't really want to eat meat i gotta figure out a way to to do that i got too many habits to break it's just brutal. <laughs> well pick one at a time yeah don't, yeah you don't drive just that's important. quit everything at once grab you just shrivel up into a little ball <laughs> that's what you say in your book actually right is focus yeah. on one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it takes a lot of effort to, to change behavior and if you try and change too much stuff at once you just fail at all of it and then you start to believe that you just can't do it. Right. Like you're just you're just the kind of person who just can't change behavior. Just switch switch to better meat. Start getting, <laughs> well, make, no. putting more effort in to get your meat from someplace that does it properly. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I did want to ask you too about uh about the negative and positive thinking aspect of it. Cause it uh, really, it does remind me, it almost makes me think, well, you know, all these people that have been talking about the law of attraction and all this, uh, and, and it's kind of more of a I know it's more of like a you know, a intangible thing. And it's kind of been hijacked by the new age community or whatever you want to call it. But, but it does sound like you're, you're almost talking about the science behind that, right? Is is thinking in a positive way instead and, and focusing on your goals and, and using your go system instead of your stop system is almost like another way to explain it. Yeah. Although the interesting thing about, about this is that, that you want to think positively in the sense that you want to think about actions that you can perform rather than things you're just trying to stop yourself from doing. But then you actually need to part company with some of the positive people for a bit. Because if you look at the law of attraction stuff and the secret, you know, what they say is you got to believe that good things are going to happen. You got to focus on the good things and then, and then good things will happen to you. And one of the things that's really important to to remember is that you have to plan for all the things that are going to go wrong. Right. You know, so you actually have to uh, think about all of the stuff that's going to get in your way, which which is actually, you know, in some ways negative thinking. Right. Yeah. And so what 
And so what you want to do is, is get this close to, to talking yourself out of doing something. But then instead of finding all those reasons why it's not going to work and saying, so I'm not going to do it, take all those things that are going to go wrong and plan for them so that you're ready for it when things go wrong. And there's a lot of really cool research right now suggesting that the people who focus on, uh, on, on what they need to achieve and on the obstacles that are going to get in their way are much more successful than the ones who just think happy thoughts. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I think it has gotten lost in the law of attraction is it's not just thinking about it and wanting it or, you know, that's not enough. That's a part of it, maybe a big part, but a lot of it is putting in, you know, a lot of hard work and a lot of energy. Cause yeah. fucking, if there's one thing the universe tells it is that everything takes energy to create, right. to create, right. If you don't put any energy into things then yeah, you can't people just want to sit on the couch and, and wish manifest. Yeah. Right. But you also want to put in the right kind of energy. Right. So so it's not just, it, you know, it, 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 it's also, you know, um, really putting in energy to 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 create those new habits and to and, and to and to avoid as many of the of those obstacles. You know, it's it, you know, but but you're absolutely right. I mean, the you know, the energy is key. Nothing just comes to you. Hmm. You know, you even have to buy a lottery ticket in order to win the lottery. Right. I mean, you got to do something. Uh, yeah, that's true. And, and then what about, what about sticking on that vein of, uh, of the law of attraction? All? What about visualizing your goals as if they've already happened? Like, you know how you hear that people, if you, if you think about your goal and you focus on your goal as if it's already happened, does that play a part in this at all? Uh, so there's a, there's a situation where it, it depends a little bit on what you're trying to accomplish, because actually what a lot of the research says is that you need to be actually a little bit dissatisfied with your life in order to have the energy to really work on something. Huh. So if you if you actually get people to think about how much they've accomplished in their life and how great things are, they're actually less motivated to work hard to achieve something than if you make them focus on what they haven't yet accomplished in life and what remains to be done. Uh, so, you know, listen, there are days where you're just feeling lousy and and you need a little positive energy and and on those days thinking about the 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 things that you're grateful for and the things that 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 you're uh proud of that's wonderful right i mean sometimes sometimes there there are days in life where the trick is just to get through the day and and positive thinking can be really valuable for that but uh but if if you're really trying to motivate yourself to act you have to make yourself dissatisfied with where you are right now Hmm, that's interesting because that kind of goes against the like focus on what you have and all the good things and more good things will happen like that whole way that you manifest uh magically manifest you know yeah. more good things in your life is to focus well, on the good it, things i must admit right there is a bit of a tightrope you have to walk in the sense that you have to you have to believe that you can accomplish something Right. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, you have to, I mean, so there are people, right. Who are both dissatisfied with where they are in life and hopeless because they feel like they, they just, no matter what they do, they won't be able to succeed. And yeah, so, and so, you know, I think when you're feeling hopeless like that, it is important to take a step back and, and recognize the things that you've accomplished in life to give yourself a little bit of, of mental energy 
to, 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 to get yourself ready to move on to the next thing. But, but I think for most of us, we, we've come to terms with the fact that we can achieve things. And, and at that point, you have, to, you have to make yourself a little dissatisfied to push yourself to do the next thing. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. So yeah. is there anything else from the book that we're, like, we're kind of glossing over that you want to talk about? Yeah, so one of the things that I find really interesting is, and this is an exercise I just really like, which is, um, you know, people have asked me, you know, if, if I've ever, you know, how, what are some of the ways that my life has been affected by the kind of research that I've read about? Yeah. And, and one of my favorite studies uh, was done by a guy named Tom Gilovich at, at, uh, at Cornell. And he studied regret. Now, if you're a psychologist and you want to study anything, the way you start studying it is by using college sophomores because they're the they're the fruit flies of psychology research. <laughs> you know, they're cheap and plentiful on college campuses. And and if you ask a bunch of college sophomores what they regret, it's almost universally stupid things they've done. Right? Okay. I regret you know, getting drunk and throwing up all over the place. I regret crashing my dad's car. I regret cheating on an exam. And, and so they, they regret the actions they've taken. And what Gilovich did that was really interesting was he said, look, let, let's see if this changes over the course of the lifespan. So he, he went to old age homes, found people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, and asked them what they regret. Uh -uh. And, if, and, and at the end of your life, almost all of your regrets are things you didn't do. Wow. Right. It's it's, you know, I never learned to swing dance. I never, you know, asked out that little red haired girl in high school. I I never traveled the world, you know, and it's it's all of these things where, you know, when when you're when you're 19 years old, you think you're going to live forever. So there's time to do everything. And when you're 85, you realize not only aren't you going to live forever, you don't really have the energy to do a lot of the things you never did. And so you missed out on opportunities. And not only and, that, that stupid thing you did when you're 19 is one of your cooler stories. <laughs> exactly. You got a lot of mileage out of that. <laughs> you know, turned out to be one of the best things you ever did. Um, so, so what this means is that, that it's really important that, you know, to take advantage of our mental ability to do time travel, which is to say that you can project yourself to the end of your life. You can imagine yourself as an 85-year-old looking back over your life. And then ask yourself, what, what will I regret not having done? And, and then go and do it while you still have time and energy to do it. And, and for me, you know, I heard about this research and I started thinking, well, what will I regret? I, I realized, you know, I would regret that I never learned to play the saxophone hmm. uh, because I was a kid. I played the piano and, uh, and I remember vividly it being in fifth grade. And the, the, the junior high school came and the band teachers came and demonstrated all the band instruments. And I, I thought the French horn was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I came home all, all excited and I said, Mom, I got to learn to play the French horn. And my mom said, no, you play the piano. We bought a piano. That's what you're going to play. <sighs> and, uh, and I realized when I was in my mid-30s that I had never learned to play another instrument like the saxophone. Because in fifth grade, I asked my mom if I could play another instrument. And she said no. And I decided, you know, it wasn't her fault anymore. Huh. And, 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 and literally the next week, I went down to a music store in downtown Austin uh, and, and asked them if they knew of, of anyone who would teach adults how to play the saxophone. 
And uh, I bought a sax and found a teacher. And, and I, I, you know, and I, I tried to be really realistic about the goals. I, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to be Coltrane. I just, I just, I really, my goal was that in 10 years, I wouldn't suck. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, my first night I did suck. I was terrible. I brought the sax home and I was very excited. And I, I started practicing and my, my son, who was seven at the time, came out the next morning. And, and he looked at me with this big smile. He said, were you, were you playing your new saxophone last night, daddy? I said, yes, I was. He said, I thought so. It sounded like you were moving chairs in the kitchen. <laughs> and so, so I discovered that, that one of the big obstacles to learning to play the sax was that the instrument is really loud and that everyone in the house was going to be really annoyed at me. I started playing in the garage instead. Yeah. They'll but, be following uh, your progress all the way along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's but, the same uh, as a piano too, though. It's pretty hard to play a piano quietly. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But uh, but you know, I've been playing been playing about thirteen years now. I'm in a band, you know, so it's all right. It was worth it. Perfect. You should send us a track for the. We'll use it in the uh, in the outro. Oh yeah, I'll I'll see what I can find. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So with a musical interest in, instrument, is it was it was that easy? Eh? Just a couple weeks of forcing it, and then and then. The brain just sort of takes over because I've got two young girls that um, mm-hmm. I've already taken. I've got a piano um, that they're already sort of starting to take an interest in. I'm just wondering what the age is that they could actually. Um, how old are they? Three and uh, uh, 16 months. Yeah. Well, you know, at three, let them mess around with it. You know, a little bit, little bit, you know, not too distant future, though. They'll have enough. Enough little enough dexterity, you know, five years old or so to to really, you know, play play something simple. That's great. I I you know, I I think music is a is a wonderful thing. But you know, I think that that even as an adult, you know, we sort of assume, well, kids can learn to do stuff. And then as adults, we just we're gonna stop learning to do new things. And you know, it's just, you know, we're gonna keep doing what we've done before and then, you know, die, I guess. <laughs> and and, you know, one of the reasons I like this technique of, of looking back to look forward is that it reminds you that, you know, you're not dead yet. So there's time to, 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 to pick up things that will be really rewarding and, uh, and, and that, you, you know, to remove a few of those regrets from when you're, when you're sitting in the old age home. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of doing that. Like once a year or so, just ask yourself, you know, is there something that I haven't done yet that, that I really love to do and and then take advantage of it you know uh engage with it don't you know i know a lot of people they get old early yeah 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 huh so is there what else you got going on now are you still doing some some corporate stuff and all that are you yeah yeah so traveling uh, around teaching and yeah well so a lot of things so i you know you mentioned in the open i run a program here at the university of texas called the human dimensions of organizations uh we're trying to teach people in business about people because, okay. uh, you know, so it's, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in business, they, they want to do finance, they want to do accounting, things like that. And that's great. But a lot of people who are in business wake up one day and realize that their biggest problem is people. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and there aren't a lot of education options for them, you know, to, to really learn how do people work as individuals and as groups and as cultures. And so we put a program together. It's the humanities and the social sciences and the behavioral sciences all mixed together to help people understand people. And that's been really exciting because it's the first program of its kind. So we're, we're actually building something from the ground up and that's, that's been a a very rewarding experience. Um, so I had a lot of fun with that. 
And, uh, and I'm continuing my mission to teach people a little psychology. So in addition to, you know, hanging out with you guys tonight, I, I, have got my, I got my own radio show. It's a, it's a seven and a half minute segment on, on the local, uh, national public radio station in Austin, KUT, which is a great station. Uh, and our show is called two guys on your head. And it's a buddy of mine named Bob Duke, who's a music professor. He and I get on and we just, he's a psychologist though. He studies music learning. And we just talk about random topics relating to psychology and, uh, and people seem to have a good time with it. So, uh, you know, so I'm doing that and then I'm continuing my research and, and, uh, nice. Does knowing about people make it easier to like, does it make you more accepting or more forgiving, I guess, of the general public? Like, you, you know, you're behind this person at Walmart and you're like, <laughs> like podcasters that mess up the scheduled time. You're supposed to yeah, yeah, you're just like, ah, oh, he's just, you know, this type and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as long as they're not your kids, you're more forgiving. Um, I, you know, I, I would say that, uh, um, the, one of the things that it does help you to understand why people do things. So one of the, one of the big things that happens is when someone, when you do something silly, right? Like say, you know, randomly mess up the time of a podcast, um, <laughs> You, you think to yourself, well, you know, gosh, I was really busy that day and, and I was, you know, doing three things at once and then I forgot. And so you, you understand all the situational influences on, on your behavior. Uh-huh. And when somebody else messes something up, you know, then your natural reaction is to think, well, that person's just a jerk, you know. And one that of the works things too that, in this instance. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things, though, that, 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 you know, spending a lot of time studying behavior helps to see is a lot of these situational influences on people's behavior. So it makes it easier to look at what, you know, somebody doing something and go, they might be a jerk, but you know, there's probably a whole bunch of other really good reasons why this happened. And so it it makes it a little easier to give other people the benefit of the doubt for stuff. I mean, until like the third or fourth time they screw up. Yeah. And then, then it becomes just a bad habit. (laughs) Yeah. Then then you realize, yeah, it's not the situation. It's just them. Um, But you know, I, so I think that that helps a lot. And I think the other thing that helps a lot is, you know, the more you learn about psychology, the more you begin to understand things like individual differences. So, for example, I did this book, a little mini ebook a couple of years ago called Habits of Leadership. That's all personality characteristics and leadership. And it's so important to understand some of the dimensions that people that, that, that lead people to differ. You know, things like, you know, how how extroverted they are. That is how much they really want to be the center of attention. You know, or how how interested or open they are to new experiences, you know, because because a lot of times you are, you know, your motivational system is set in a particular way. And and so you just often just assume, well, everyone else is going to be more or less like I am. And the more you understand about the ways that people naturally differ from each other, the more the easier it is to pinpoint. Oh, I see why they're doing that. They're just they're they're not being difficult. This is just the way they're wired. Can I ask you a, a, a question about that leadership? Sure. Uh, it's, it's might be a bit out there, but do, does, uh, do pathological people or like people with uh, narcissistic personality disorder, or those types of, of things have a tendency to become leaders or uh, are, are there more leaders that are like that? Um, so no, but they're, they're really noticeable when they are leaders. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so narcissists, for example, you know, they really want to be the center of attention. Now, some narcissists are narcissistic and incompetent, so they don't go anywhere. Okay. But but if you're a narcissist and if you're a smart yeah, narcissist. So, so yeah, so competent 
good, you know, talented narcissists are dangerous because, because they accomplish things and then they let the world know that they did it and they drink in the accolades. Yeah, yeah. And the problem with that is that the further, the higher that a narcissist rises in an organization, the, the worse that organization gets because they start taking the credit away from everybody else and they start, they, they start undermining the other good people because they want to be the only good person around. They're the only really talented person around so that nobody else uh, steals their shine. Right. So, you know, so it's so, and, and then what happens is, you know, because the narcissists are both craving attention and reviled by others as they begin to be recognized for being a narcissist, um, they're, you know, you, you, you really notice them, hmm. you know, and, and, you know, the problem is the really talented, you know, I mean, if you're, if you're introverted and you don't really let anybody know the great things you've done, it's hard to rise to a leadership role because nobody's ever figured out that you did good things. Yeah. That's kind of what I was getting at, yeah. you know? And so yeah. you certainly need a certain degree of extroversion to do that, but not all the extroverts are narcissists. I mean, the narcissists have crossed the line from, from just being wanting to be the center of attention to really sucking the life energy out of everybody else. Right. Okay. That's, yeah, thanks for asking that. I do have another question too about mindfulness. Oh, yeah. when we talked, you know, in your book, I kept thinking about, well, wouldn't this be easier if you had some practice in mindfulness? Um, just because, just catching your catching your thoughts, catching your thinking, or watching your thinking a little bit more. So, yeah. did you come across that a lot in your in your yeah. studies? Yeah. So, you know, there's been a lot, the last five years or so, there's been a lot of new research on mindfulness techniques and, and the benefits. And, and what I would say is that, you know, I'm reluctant to jump on a lot of trends. For example, I think brain games are a total waste of time and money. <laughs> okay. That's good to um, know. You know, just, just to lay What's that out a there. brain game? Like, like, cross like, cross that, cross? like that luminosity thing or whatever, yeah. or lumosity or yeah. I don't even know what the fuck that is. <laughs> well, well then don't let me be the one to introduce it to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but mindfulness training seems to have some real benefits. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a cure all, but, but, you know, doing a little bit of meditation and, and learning to follow your own thought patterns and learning to become a little bit more aware of some of the habits that you have in thinking is, is a real benefit for, uh, you know, helping you to, to, to develop new habits, to understand why you're doing some of the things that you're doing. So I'm, yeah, I'm a fan, you know, I, I, I do think that, that, uh, engaging in some of those techniques can be really helpful, particularly for people who are who are struggling to change a behavior or struggling to get out of a persistent negative pattern of thoughts. Hmm. All right. Um, before we wrap it up, so did 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 have you ever done any uh, studies with children or like? It's got to be. Is there like? Is it just as easy? Is it like a misconception that you know you can't teach an old dog new tricks, or is it are children a lot more, I don't know, buoyant or susceptible yeah. or? Yeah. So we we have done some stuff with kids, and you know, kids kids are certainly wired to learn a lot from the people around them because you know, frankly, you've got about two decades to cram as much information into a kid's head as you can before you set them free into the world. And so kids, and so kids, because, you know, we have to be able to survive in whatever information landscape we happen to grow up in. So uh, we really do want to, you know, kids, kids really are able to learn all kinds of stuff, but I think that, that adults can too. Right. So um, I think adults, 
it's with adults. The difference is we're we often just don't want to. You know, it's not that we can't do it. We just decide we don't want to do it. Hmm. Yeah, or maybe we have uh, subconscious negative uh, beliefs holding us back as well. Well, and you know, and there's social things too, right? I mean, you know, at some point as an adult, you just want to be seen as being, uh, you know, a really competent person. So, you know, it's a little bit embarrassing to do something like learn to play the saxophone in your mid thirties, you know? So, so you pick up the sax as a 35 year old and somebody looks at you and goes, man, I'll bet this guy's really good. You know? <laughs> and then, and then you sound like you're moving furniture in the kitchen and they're like, Oh, wow. <laughs> Something's wrong with that guy. You know, as opposed to saying, Oh, isn't that cool? He's learning to play a new instrument. I wonder if that's a modern thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, you like know, if you I, had that problem a few thousand years ago. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think well, so. Well, like at, at 35, fucking... you were ancient, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, he's just learning how to fish now. What a <laughs> schmuck. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, thanks a lot for joining us, Art. Uh, where can, I know you're on the Twitter. I found you there today. Uh, I think it's at AB Markman. If yeah, I'm that's right. And are you on Facebook? And uh, where else can our listeners track you down? Sure, I'm I'm almost anywhere on the on the web. So uh, yeah, Twitter AB Markman at AB Markman on Facebook Art Markman PhD on LinkedIn Art Markman. Uh, I'm on Pinterest and Instagram. Wow. Um, and and uh, you can email me so art.markman at gmail. Uh, and uh, I always love to hear from people. And um, and and I I have a website smart thinkingbook.com which has some blog entries on it and some information about the books and uh but if you and if you follow me on social media then you can find the blogs on psychology today and and uh and fast company and 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 the radio show and stuff like that nice well yeah we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes and maybe uh we'll link to one of your songs as well (laughs) yeah i'll I'll dig something up yeah perfect well thanks a bunch for for joining us, Art, uh, it was a great conversation. I can use some of these tips right away here. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm in the middle midst of a battle here myself, so yeah, I can yeah. hopefully use some of these to overcome it. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, thanks a lot, Art. Well, thanks a lot. It was great great talking to you guys tonight. Okay, take care. America show. Thanks for hanging in there. I chat with Art Markman. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, Art's fun. Yeah, he was very intelligent. Did we fuck up the date on that one? I did. Yeah. No, I think I, I messed up the time by an hour. We'll blame the time change preemptively. Yeah, sorry about that, Art. You okay over there? Yeah, I'm having a little coughing bit inside. <sighs> yes. On the inside. That's a bad habit I have. In coughing? <laughs> Is it even coughing then? No.
Yeah, well, I'm still quit smoking. Yeah, my nails are doing I'm, pretty good. I'm, I can bite my nails. Look, I haven't bitten my nails. It's working. I've been vaping less. Yeah, have you? Yeah. Really? So good, though. Tastes so good when it hits your lips. But I'm on the lower nicotine, so figure another month I'll be off the nicotine completely. And then uh, that'll be the real challenge, I guess. And eventually get off of this fucking thing completely, too. Yeah, I think you got to give it three weeks, then three months. Three days, three weeks, three months, they say, for the nick. What's three days? That's just your initial withdrawal, kind of. What's three weeks? That's habit-breaking. What's three months? You're fucking free. Freedom. <laughs> well, uh, no, I'm, I'm serious. I know, you look serious. <laughs> you look super serious. <laughs> I like the how serious you look at the picture RPG drew of you. Classic, instant classic. Who's coming up next? Next in the live chat Tuesday, brand new website is uh, Swagger. Yes, a special um, St. Paddy's Day with the Irishman himself, James Swagger. Fascinating dude. Archaeoastronomy, archaeoacoustics, and ancient mysteries, and all kinds of stuff like that. That'll be a doozy for sure. Yeah. And then who are we releasing next week? We should be releasing um, John Rappaport, maybe. Joseph Emmett. Joseph Emmett, right. On the meditation. Yeah, mindfulness. And we might pop Estelin out as yeah. a bonus. Oh, right. Yes, yes. Just because there's things coming up. That's right. Yeah, we got to keep that in mind. So you guys get another bonus up. Yeah. Too much content here in Gramerica. Yeah. Speaking of which, gramerica.ca slash support. Uh, go there to check out the different ways you can support the show and help us stay ad and sponsor free. Uh, and keeping us free to talk about whatever we like. Yeah, thanks a lot, Art, for coming on the show tonight. Yeah. Um, as we talked about earlier, March is tell a friend about the show. Um, so wherever you can... Your social media, at work, wherever you can, tell someone about the show. Uh, spread the word. Other than that, sign up for the newsletter, gramerica.ca slash news. Spam Graham. 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 Tweet Darren. Yeah. At Gramerica. Yep. Facebook, YouTube. YouTube's probably the easiest if you have someone who's just like podcast fucking... Just can't do it. I don't know. I can't think of the word right now, probably because it's like one in the morning. But um, not technically savvy. Send them on over to YouTube. That's probably the easiest way, YouTube or the website. Though some people say they have trouble finding the play button on the website. Maybe that'll be fixed. Actually, that's a good point for people that don't listen to podcasts, right? Yeah, that's what we need Cause to do. Because there's a lot of people that just, what? What's a podcast? So they've heard of it, but they don't really... Get the on-demand thing. So, yeah, just go to YouTube and listen to it at home. Absolutely. And review the show where you can. Yeah, that helps a lot. And other than that, I think that's about it. See you motherfuckers next week. (laughs) 